You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. We don't need to tempt fate. We don't need to tempt God. We don't need to tempt the consciences of our oppressors in ways that are lethal uh, to oppressed communities. To, to trust the moral conscience of oppressors or abusers is dangerous business. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 458. Our title this week is Sacrificing Our Humanity to Change the World, and our reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Again, that's Matthew 4, 1 through 11. So this week marks the beginning of Lent. This is the, the Christian season leading up to Easter and its celebration of of uh, the undoing, the reversing, and the overcoming of the the state murder of Jesus and the resurrection. So, so the stories of Jesus' temptations. They are legends that were part of the earliest traditions in the in the Jesus communities of the first century. In each version of these that we have today in our in our sacred text, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy, and the gospel authors they they use the Septuagint version of of uh, Deuteronomy of the Hebrew Scriptures here for these quotations. And as I've written recently, it's helpful to remember that Matthew's purpose in drawing parallels between Moses and Jesus is to characterize Jesus as a liberator. And as we discussed last week, Jesus does not replace Moses as a new lawgiver, but is a present day Moses. As Moses was was a liberator, Jesus is a, another liberator. And this time the people aren't liberated from Egyptian slavery, but, but from Roman imperialism, which was destroying uh, rural and Jewish communities. It's helpful to hold all of this in mind with each temptation if we're going to harvest any relevance for us uh, today as we, as we work uh, in our own context, in our own society, in our own culture to shape our world into a safe, compassionate, uh, just home for everyone in the face of 
our own contemporary systemic injustice. So Moses and Israel, remember, they were tempted for 40 years in the wilderness in their liberation myth. And similarly, in the temptation narratives, Jesus is tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. Again, he's another liberator. The first temptation in Matthew comes in the context of of Jesus's extreme hunger from his extended fast. Um, Living for bread alone, it speaks to the Jewish elite's complicity with Roman Empire and their ho- their hope uh, for power, their their property, their the privilege, bread for today, that was their highest priority, regardless of what it might set in motion for the Jewish poor or the marginalized tomorrow. And rural Jewish farming communities dotted through the countryside, they were the most deeply impacted by the choices of these urban elite and wealthy who were choosing to live for bread alone. Rome promised these elites wealth and positions of influence or power, but but again, that would all come at a price that was paid by the masses. And this strikes a similar chord today in our capitalist system. How many times are people's long-term well-being traded for short-term profit margins of, of wealthy corporate investors or CEOs? T- too often, the bottom line is the highest priority. Profit is is king. And I think most about the environmental devastation, that, that's only going to get worse in the next decades if something doesn't change. Just making more capital isn't life-giving and growth for growth's sake that's cancerous growth needs to happen in a responsible way and that's why i think the message of not living for bread alone in in our text this week but for things that are life-giving in the long term i think that can still speak to uh, to us today what other things can you pick up on that are that are often sacrificed for short-term gain and this temptation this very first one it paints a picture of a jesus as as one whose liberation it wouldn't it would not involve uh short-term gains that sacrifice the community's long-term life. His liberation would be holistically life-giving. The second temptation, it may be a little harder for us to draw present societal applications for. It's hard for me to get my head around the devil taking Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and tempting him to to place God in a position to perform a miracle to save Jesus's life. There's a, a presumptuous nature here. And one thing that helps here is not to think of the temple as solely religious. It was the center of the Jewish religion for sure, but it was also the the seat of the temple state. Uh, so with this temptation, it's more helpful to think that the, of the temple as as kind of a state capital building. And, and and these verses they ultimately speak to me uh, this week of a temptation to sacrifice oneself for the cause, assuming that good will ultimately result from the sacrifice rather than bad. Uh, Jesus was tempted to throw himself off the pinnacle in the hopes that God would intervene. And how many times since then have people in justice movements been inspired to put their own well-being in jeopardy or at risk and 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 to sacrifice themselves and trusting that it'll be okay in the end to try and awaken the the consciences of their oppressors. I think there's a place for certain types of sacrifice for specific causes. But what I'm referring to here is the way that some movement leaders 
call others to become sacrificial lambs to to reach the the hearts and minds of those that are harming them. I think of how pastors have pled with some of my my Christian LGBTQ friends to just please keep showing up and what's really unsafe religious environments each week uh, to model something, I don't know what, uh, for bigoted Christians in the hopes that their their hearts will be changed towards them. And this doesn't take into account at all the, the real-life harms that these spaces impose on these LGBTQ Christians. As a dear friend of mine used to say in kind of a Ben Kenobi tone, these aren't the sacrificial lambs you're looking for. My, my friends have calling and dreams and hopes for their lives, and they shouldn't have to waste years simply justifying their existence. They exist. They're here. The question for straight cisgender Christians is how will we choose to relate to our fellow Christians, whether they're different from us or not? I think of the critiques of of feminist scholars like Joan Carlson Brown and Rebecca Parker, who have spent a lot of energy over the years critiquing certain expressions of self self sacrifice that, that are taught by well meaning Christians that 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 prioritize and center oppressors and abusers to the detriment of survivors and victims. And I'm going to be quoting at length here from Brown and Parker's classic essay, For God So Loved the World. It's in dialogue with uh, uh, statements made by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And again, it's lengthy, but it's worth the extended read. Uh, they, They state, in liberation and critical theologies, the suffering of Jesus becomes a symbol for the conflicts that occur when people fight for new and more just social forms. The old must pass away before the new comes, and in its death throes, the old lashes out against the new. So, so far, I agree. But what Brown and Parker go on to explain This concept, and this is where I have a problem too, alongside Brown and Parker, this concept often turns into an unhealthy, kind of a passive acceptance of that pushback. Uh, It's it's, it's an unhealthy form of self-sacrifice that that, that those who who engage in it, they believe that that, that it's having some kind of greater purpose or meaning. Uh, Brown and Parker go on to explain, the martyrs of the revolution are the signs that the beast is dying. Their blood gives hope because it reveals the crisis is at hand. Furthermore, violence against the vanguards of a new new age is to be accepted. Acceptance uh, witnesses against the perpetrator of violence and ennobles the victim. Notice the language here. Martin Luther King Jr., for example, accepted the inevitable, uh, sorry, the inevitability of the violence directed against the civil rights movement and saw it as the responsibility of the people in the movement to bear the suffering in order to transform the situation. Again, this is that same throw yourself from the temple, sacrifice yourself, just bear it and then good will come. Um, These are the words of uh, MLK that they quote in their essay. Suffering can be a most creative and powerful social force. The nonviolent say that suffering becomes a powerful social force when you willingly accept that violence on yourself so that self-suffering stands at the center of the nonviolent movement and the individuals involved are able to suffer 
suffer in a creative manner, feeling that unearned suffering is redemptive and that suffering may serve to transform the social situation. And again, they quote, they quote that uh, statement from MLK. MLK from A Testament of Hope, uh, not from 1986, and it's page 47. So they go on to explain, King's view is similar to the moral influence theory of the atonement. Unjust suffering has the power to move the hearts of perpetrators of violence. The problem with this theology is that it asks people to suffer for the sake of helping evildoers see their evil, uh, evil ways. It puts concern for the evildoer ahead of concern for the victim of evil. It makes victims the servants of evildoers' salvation. I'll put a link to Brown and Park full article uh, in this week's e-site. It's for God so love the world, question mark. And uh, those statements are from pages 14 through 15. And this teaching of, of being willing to throw yourself off the, the pinnacle, to sacrifice yourself, to, to, to bear the suffering that, that evildoers do towards you in the hopes of changing their hearts, it's proven not only harmful, but it's also been proven lethal to victims of abuse. Uh, another source that's worth listening to on this point is woman, a scholar, Dolores Williams, author of uh, Sisters in the Wilderness. In that book on page 176 to 177, uh, she comments in response to Brown and Parker's essay that we just quoted earlier. Williams states, their critique of Martin Luther King Jr.'s idea of the value of suffering of the oppressed in oppressed oppressor confrontations accords with my assumption that African-American Christian women can, through their religion and its leaders, be led passively to accept their own oppression and suffering if the women are taught that suffering is redemptive. And again, we're talking about a kind of self-sacrifice this week that, that can be harmful. In the, in the paragraphs that follow in, in Sisters in the Wilderness, Williams discusses the ways that Brown and Parker's critiques, they resonate with, with uh, her womanist God talk um, and, and what she says about Jesus. But again, in all of this context, it's helpful to remember that, that uh, as when we talk about this subject, social location matters. The privileged, the propertyed, the powerful, they may at times need to lean into some sacrifices to live into life-giving ways for and with uh, those who are presently being harmed by systemic injustice. But to call even those forms of sacrifice self-sacrifice? I think is a misnomer. When the powerful, when the propertied, when the privileged, when they practice this kind of sacrifice, I think their humanity or their self is being reclaimed, not sacrificed. And some sacrifices put us back in touch with ourselves, remember. But in our story this week, Matthew's Jesus recognizes a system where the marginalized are already being sacrificed. Their selves are being, their humanity is being sacrificed. And in this second temptation, this Jesus doesn't ask them to sacrifice themselves further, to throw themselves off of pinnacles at the state capital. His liberation, it's going to be restoring and reclaiming 
claiming of one's humanity, not a sacrificing of it. We don't need to tempt fate. We don't need to tempt God. We don't need to tempt the consciences of our oppressors in ways that are lethal uh, to oppressed communities. To, to trust the moral conscience of oppressors or abusers is dangerous business. And lastly, Jesus sees a, a, a vision of the kingdoms of the world in our reading this week. And, and he would be given those kingdoms if he would just bow down to the tempter. In Matthew, Jesus, though, will liberate not by obtaining imperial power or or rule of the kingdoms of the world um, here in this last temptation, but, but by instead standing up for the humanity of the downtrodden, the marginalized, the underprivileged, and the excluded. For, for this Jesus, worshiping God and God only was synonymous with, with loving one's neighbor as oneself and practicing things like the golden rule. So today, I believe that these legends of Jesus Jesus's temptations in the wilderness, they can still inform the lives of Jesus followers who are working to to shape our world again into a more just and compassionate shape. But 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 we're going to need to interpret them differently than the original audience may have. Um, but again, we can still interpret them in life-giving ways for our society today. So this week, how do these temptations resonate with you? Heart group application number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-sight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how do these three temptations resonate with you again share that with your group and then number three what can you do big or small to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe compassionate just home for everyone thanks for checking in with us today you can find renewed heart ministries on twitter facebook instagram if you haven't done so already please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts and also if you enjoy listening to the jesus for everyone podcast Please like and subscribe to this podcast through whatever podcast platform that you use and consider taking some time to give us a review there. That helps others find this podcast as well. And also, I want to share with you that we're partnering in a new weekly YouTube show called Just Talking. Each week, Todd Leonard and I uh, will be talking about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll be uh, talking about each reading in the context of love and inclusion and and societal justice, and our hope is that our talking will be just talking, as in justice, but that also during our brief conversation each week, that you'll be inspired to also do more than just talking. So if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're looking for some thoughts on, on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the, the context of social justice, check it out. You might you might like it. Todd is, a, is brilliant in his discernment of how the Jesus story can speak into our lives today as we work together again towards shaping our world into a more just home for everyone. He's, he's worth listening to. You can find Just Talking each week on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking. Please like, subscribe, and hit the notification button there and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to reach out to us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, on my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at renewedheartministries.com. So right where you are this 
week, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, working toward justice. Thanks for listening. I love each of you dearly. We'll see you next week.